Welcome to this bonus episode of 4D, the Knowledge Translation Task Force for the Clinical Practice Guideline related to the physical therapist management of people with Parkinson's disease has recorded this short but insightful interview with Daniel Korkos on resistance training. The interview is conducted by two physical therapy students from the University of Delaware, Emily Buglin and Colleen Noonan. We're very excited about this episode. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to 4D. Deep dive into degenerative diseases. Gaining insights through casual and amusing clinical conversations. Thank you for joining us today to talk about resistance training for persons with Parkinson's. Resistance training is recommended for all individuals by the Center for Disease Control and is important for successful aging and maintaining high quality of life. The benefits of resistance training are wide ranging and relate to maintaining muscle strength, joint health, bone health, immunological health, cognitive health, and brain health. Today, we are joined by Dan Corcus, an expert in strengthening for people with Parkinson's disease. He is here to tell us more about resistance training for people with Parkinson's disease. This is based on the results of his study on progressive resistance exercise training over two years. The video highlights strengthening exercise prescription and progression. So Daniel, why did you design your protocol this way? Why did you think it would work? Well, thank you, Colleen. Thank you, Emily, for the chance to converse with you this morning, this afternoon. Um, the reason that I thought our protocol would work is that the first premise we had was that people with Parkinson's disease become weak. So we took people off dopaminergic replacement therapy, conducted experiments, looked at their muscle strength, and they become and they had become weaker. I first showed this in a paper published in the Annals of Neurology in 1996. So we designed our protocol to strengthen people based on a set of 11 exercises, which were designed to cover all basic large muscle groups. The goal was to to design a program for general neuromuscular health. So the main premise here is to get people healthy from a neuromuscular point of view. Now the mechanisms are many as to why this works. The first is that the brain is involved in activating muscle. And so there are clearly benefits to resistance training at the level of the brain and spinal cord. Secondly, over time with disuse, muscles atrophy. And so the atrophy needs to be reversed or stabilized. And this is what resistance exercise does. Thirdly, there's lots of evidence nowadays that myokines, which are one of several hundred cytokines or other small proteins that are produced, and they are released by skeletal muscles in response to muscular muscular contractions. When they respond beneficially to exercise, they're then called exokines. And producing these exokines is very beneficial for health. Now, I was confident the study would work, because Dr. Julie Robichaud, a physical therapist, had conducted a pilot study before we conducted our main study. And in her pilot study, she had shown very, very impressive results. Okay. Is there 
Any difference between dosing for individuals with Parkinson's disease compared to older adults? And what are the typical parameters that we would recommend using? I view people with Parkinson's disease very much the same as anybody else. So the resistance training that is good for a person without the, the disease is equally good for a person with the disease. Now, initially, when a person starts, the dose should be fairly low. If you go into exercising too hard, too quickly, or too motivated, you will get what is called delayed onset muscle soreness. And this is not particularly comfortable, and people don't particularly like this. Um, people should be doing resistance exercise twice a week. The combination of load and reps, people should be doing uh, 10 repetitions, and they should be starting with a low load, well below what their maximum load is. A good time to exercise for is 60 minutes, maybe a little bit less to begin with. Weight machines are very nice because you don't run the risk of dropping a weight. But at the end of the day, people should use what they're comfortable. There's some wonderful exercise routines, exercise programs using dumbbells. Free weights can be very good. One's own body weight can be very good. So there are lots and lots of exercises that can be done. The classic example is a press-up. One's using one's own body weight, and it's very good. It all depends on what the person likes to do, and it all depends on what is safe for the person. So it's really important that we don't produce any injuries here. All right, thank you. Um, so as physical therapists, we're always trying to figure out how to set an appropriate goal for a patient. So for a person with Parkinson's disease, how do you set or determine an appropriate goal for the patient? So the main goal here is maintenance of overall health and well-being. So when a person who's a physical therapist sees a person with Parkinson's disease, the point to really stress is the resistance exercise, the resistance training should be part of a lifestyle pattern. Now, it is also the case that a person could have a specific functional deficit. By that, I mean they may tell you that there are things they can't do. So many of us have seen elderly people, our parents, our grandparents, they're in a chair and they can't get out of the chair. And so what do they do? They use their hands and they basically push themselves out of the chair. Probably the first thing they do is to move their center of gravity forward so that they can make it as easy as possible but in the end of the, at the end of the day, what they really need to do is to be prescribed a set of exercises. And you can find many on the internet. PTs know all the exercises. But basically, as one website says, you basically got to boost your backside. And so the idea here is you find a whole set of exercises which restore strength to certainly your quadriceps muscles, to your core and all of those muscles. That's when you have a functional deficit, which is treated a little bit differently to overall 
strengthening from the point of view of health. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, next question. How much should people be doing overall in terms of strengthening? And how do you go about progressing someone? Well, it should be about twice a week for about an hour. Once you've gotten your body used to working out, once you don't have any muscle soreness at all, you um, do 10 reps. You do the reps three times. The reps are about 70% of one's one rep maximum. PTs will know formula for how you can compute a one rep max without doing a one rep max. For many people, it's risky, especially if one's a little bit older and not very good at using weights. But there are formulae that PTs can look up to get the one rep max. You do 70% of the one rep max. You do 10 repetitions and you do it three times. I do resistance training, have done it most of my life. When I'm doing three sets, I tend to make the first set a little lighter. So I'm really warming up my muscles. So if I'm going to do bench press, my first set may be 10 pounds lighter than my last set, so that I'm progressing through the repetitions. And you do about 11 exercises, 11, 12, you can actually get down to as few as five. And we're probably going to show you some videos of different ways of doing this. But the idea is to use large muscles, whole body activity. So when do you know when a patient can handle this resistance training on their own versus when they're going to need a little help? Well, that's why one becomes an experienced physical therapist. There's a judgment call here. So it really depends on the comfort level of the person with PD. Some people have never done weights in their life, and it's going to take them a while to get comfortable. Others have done it, and now they have a disease, and they have to adapt to the disease. The ultimate goal, though, is to find a set of exercises that people can do on their own, since weight training should be done every week for the rest of a person's life. So the challenge here is to find what people can do and also will do on their own. And then if you have a disease like Parkinson's, it's always good to go to your PT fairly regularly and just check where you are but we need to find ways to motivate people to do it on their own, because as we all know, the healthcare is very good at treating people. It's less good at setting up regimens to help people maintain fitness. Are there any precautions or contraindications that are different for individuals with Parkinson's disease compared to the general population? Um, not really. Certainly people with Parkinson's disease are, mo are more prone to falls, and so one always has to be careful. One should be in reasonably good health. Always good to check with one's physician. If one's on statins, if one has osteoporosis, spinal stenosis, musculoskeletal injuries, certainly high blood pressure, these are all factors that should be treated with care. 
you will certainly find many cardiologists would recommend against resistance training if blood pressure is high. So if a person is not in great overall health, independent of the Parkinson's disease, then they should work with their physician to get themselves in good health. Um, so the bottom line is that resistance exercise is good for health, and you just have to take care of any uh, issues which may be contraindicated, and they can be dealt with. So as you're um, working with a patient in a resistance training program, what are some of the cues or instructions you frequently need to give to patients with Parkinson's to make sure they, one, have good form, and two, don't injure themselves? Well, we definitely don't want any injuries. And people with PD are at risk for developing musculoskeletal pain. They do get pain. So we can ensure our pay, that we can ensure that the people with Parkinson's disease use good form. So you really have to work with them on the appropriate way of aligning posture, especially if one uses heavier and heavier weights. Now I'm not recommending that, but you will find there is a subset of people with Parkinson's disease who are very much type A personalities and who very much push themselves very hard. And so form is particularly important because for certain activities, certainly any form of squatting runs the risk of putting a lot of pressure on the back and spine, and we don't want any injuries. So we need to work on the head neck posture with shoulder exercises. The knee position for lunges and squats is very, very important. Very important to warm up and cool down. Parkinson's disease is characterized by rigidity. Many people have rigidity. And so you want to warm up slowly before jumping straight into the exercises. It's also important for people to know that there's very clear evidence that physical activity can reduce chronic pain, can act as a slight analgesic. There's a lot of work on that. And also by building strength, flexibility, reducing feet, fatigue and helping to reduce pain sensitivity this is very good for people and it also resistance training can reduce inflammation which is also a positive those are a lot of positives <laughs> they are like... a lot of positives yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact i should i won't ask you um um both of you emily and colleen but actually looking at you I'm sure you both do resistance training. So yes, there are a lot of positives. I'd say so. I think we can speak for the both of us there. Yeah. Um, so in terms of different types of exercise, because we know strength training isn't the only type of exercise that a patient with Parkinson's may perform during a PT session. Um, how do you combine this type of strength training with other types of exercise like balance or maybe aerobic training? So within a PT session, um, one can certainly combine some resistance training with uh, cardio and other forms of training. And most PT sessions do have a combination. So at the level of the overall health, it tends to be easier for most people to do their resistance training as one session and then endurance training as another session. But there's no question that there are ways one can do 
both at the same time. So one can be doing a resistance training and then one can walk or jog up and down the clinic and then one can do some more resistance training. Uh, you would all be very familiar with the idea of circuit training. Circuit training is very, very popular. One can certainly do that in the clinic. And if you think of the way that you rehabilitate an athlete, you start off very slowly, but the last part of the rehabilitation of an athlete, you're getting closer and closer to what they're doing in their sport. And certainly when you're working with people with Parkinson's disease, you can push them more and more as you know what their confidence level is, what their desire is, and what their motivation is. But there's no question that circuit training, which can easily be done as part of PT, would be very beneficial. Definitely. Um, so we've heard this term, which we would love you to talk a little bit more about, but it's called RTI, resistance training with instability. Can you explain a little bit more about what this is? Yes. So let me give you a little bit of the neurophysiology first. So the general idea here is that when you put a person in an unstable environment, for example, you stand them on a BOSU ball or you're on the beach on sand, you're getting a lot of information coming back from the periphery. So the muscles are being stretched and you're getting sensory information or proprioceptive information coming up to the spinal cord, which then goes to sensory cortex and goes from sensory cortex to motor cortex and back down the spinal cord to issue the motor command. And that is actually very, very good for people. And regardless of whether you have Parkinson's disease or not, the idea of training the sensory proprioceptive system so that you know where you are in space is very, very good and very important. And the evidence now for research training with instability in Parkinson's disease and across diseases is quite extensive. So um, there are what are called Swiss balls or BOSU balls. Um, you can have foam rollers, you can have wobble boards, you can have suspended chains, you can have ropes, you can have bands, you can have sand and gravel, you can reduce the base of support. So I've just recently given a talk and when I was looking up some data, it's very interesting at how quickly one loses balance on one foot and how predictive it is. So if we were to take Emily and Colleen, they could stand on one foot forever. By the time you reach your 60s and 70s and 80s, we're getting down to 10, 15 seconds. So you have this dramatic reduction in the ability to, to maintain stability. And so just working on one leg is a form of research uh, resistance training with instability. That's super interesting. Thank you. Um, one last question, which you talked about briefly, but we just like with, to get a, a little bit more of a breakdown. Um, so if you're going to combine strength training with aerobic and or balance training, can you kind of talk about in a week total, how do you break that down and how do you dose it? And why would you dose it that way? So the first point I want to make is the most important thing for all of us is we do something. And so when you're talking to people with Parkinson's disease, 
Um, it's really very important to get a sense of who they are and what they want to do. And if all you can persuade them to do is a little more than they are doing normally, you've taken a big step forward because every increase in just the amount of activity we do has a very, very big payoff in quality of life and the data is getting clearer on mortality. If you end up with people who really want to know what is best for me, okay, what does the science tell me that I should be doing? Then the evidence becomes very clear at the moment. So a person with Parkinson's disease should be doing endurance exercise three times a week. Some people call this um, aerobic. I use the term endurance because aerobic refers to a specific mechanism. But the idea here is to get the heart rate high, perhaps 80% of maximal heart rate three times a week. And so why do we want to do this? Well, there's no question that the higher your VO2 peak is, the healthier it is for you, your ability to use oxygen. And if you have a high VO2 peak, it means when you're doing activities, you have a lot of, of pulmonary reserve, and that is good. And the evidence is clear that VO2 peak in general is lower in people with PD. So imagine that you're going out to a supermarket and you're walking around quite quickly. And if your VO2 peak is really low, you're going to struggle. The evidence is very clear that having a low resting heart rate is good. Because when you have a low resting heart rate, you have a wide range over which your heart can work. If your resting heart rate is quite high, you have a lower range. Endurance exercise has been shown in Parkinson's disease to reduce resting heart rate. And that is good. And this is also where the best evidence for delaying disease progression lies. So it's the endurance exercise which has the best evidence if you want to help a person slow down the rate at which their diseases progress. In terms of resistance training, the evidence is clear. Um, it's the best evidence for maintaining strength, and it's very good from staying away from frailty. So when you become quite old, and if the disease is starting to progress, you will become more and more frail. The step after frailty uh, is mortality. And so anything we can do to stave off frailty is very good. And Parkinson's disease is a major mobility disorder. So anything we can do on posture, balance, and gait is important. And so any balance exercise that you do, yoga is very good. Dance is very good. They're all very, very good. And why is this important? Well, if you've got Parkinson's disease, you don't want to fall. And falls are one of the major causes of emergency room visits and hospitalizations for people with Parkinson's disease. We need to minimize this. And so therefore doing posture, gait, balance exercises is very good. One can do a few of these exercises as warm up to one's resistance training or as warming up to one's endurance. So it's not just once a week. But that is the general prescription and the evidence for it is 
currently quite clear. Well, those are all the questions we have for you today. So thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a delight to meet you both. <laughs> you as well. That's all we have for strengthening. So be on the lookout for other video resources for the Parkinson's disease CPG. Thank you for listening. And we hope that you gained some good information that you can apply in the clinic tomorrow. For more information on the clinical practice guideline for the physical therapist management of people with Parkinson's disease, please visit ANPT clinical practice guidelines. You'll find that in the practice resources area at neuropt.org.